podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN in association with Betfred. Good to have you with us, gang. We're back. We took a break. We took a mini break anyway. We'll call it that. But we are back and better than ever, as the saying goes. Two terrific guests coming your way. We're going to deep dive on two franchises getting a lot of headlines right now. Of course, this is the league that never sleeps seven days a week. Three, six, five, and the Steelers and the Texans, for all kinds of reasons, are getting a lot of focus. So, Brooke Pryor will drop by imminently to get us up to speed on the latest with Ben Roethlisberger and work out just how much transition and change the Steelers organization is going to face in the offseason going into next year. And speaking of change and transition, what about the Texans? Sarah Barshop, ESPN beat writer, joins us too. The latest on Deshaun Watson. Is there any way the Texans could turn that situation around? What if he isn't dealt? Is he going to sit out? It's fascinating how that is playing out. And what is the price that could tempt the Texans to finally let their superstar quarterback go? JJ Watt going as well. So there's all kinds of change there. Really looking forward to getting into both of these chats. Let's get straight down to business and check in with the brilliant Brooke Pryor. Great to see you. Thanks very much indeed for, for coming back on the show. Um, I want to start with Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, the saga continues, right? So in seven days, we've gone from Kevin Colbert, the GM, uh, and that, that infamous quote, as we sit here today, Ben is a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, that complete vote of no confidence. And everybody then spun out of control and said, well, looks like Pittsburgh are going to move on. And then Art Rooney the second, the team president, now has gone on record saying, well, they want Ben back next year. So everybody's saying, oh, he's going to stay now. Is that is that the most likely outcome? Is it looking more likely than not now that Ben's going to stay? I think so. And, you know, even if you had asked me a month ago before we talked to Kevin Colbert, I would tell you that I thought Ben Roethlisberger was going to stay. Colbert's comments of, as we sit here today, really made me stop for a second and think, well, maybe not, you know, because mm-hmm. that's, that's what uh, Los Angeles with the Rams said about Jared Goff. And then he went to Detroit. So, it kind of felt like that that's where we were headed with Ben Roethlisberger once Colbert talked. But before that, the Steelers were making moves to keep things, um, to keep the continuity as much as they could for Ben Roethlisberger. You know, by promoting Matt Canada to offensive coordinator, he's going to keep some of the same terminology, maybe not, you know, exactly the same scheme and keep things exactly as they were because if it was going to be exactly as it was, Randy Feekner wouldn't have lost his job. But there was going to be some familiarity and some carryover, which is what you want for a quarterback who will be playing in what will this time, I think, really be his last season. You don't want to completely change everything he's doing. And so I thought with that, and then Marquise Pouncey was on the fence about retiring. He, although ultimately decided to retire, I thought that was something that was trending more in the direction of Ben not coming back because he's going to have to break in a new center. He'll have two new starting linemen. But I think at the end of the day, the Steelers organization said, you know, we want Ben back. He's done so much for this organization and we think we can still win with him. And I know that, you know, you look at his numbers from last season and they were down across the board from what he had done in the past. But to me, you know, there was a knock on, well, he just can't throw the ball anymore. Mm. I don't think that's the case. I think the elbow is fine. To me, the mobility is more of the issue that he's getting, you know, knocked down in the pocket or the pocket wasn't being held up long enough. His air yards per attempt in the last three games, he was averaging eight air yards per attempt. The first 13 games, I think it was about six yards per attempt. 
So to me, the fact that he can still do that late in the season is showing that a, it was a scheme thing that was holding him back and B the elbow's fine. He can still stretch the field when he needs to, and they need to do more of that to get the most out of Ben Roethlisberger. If he is coming back, which is what it seems like the case is now. I don't think Art Rooney II comes out and says, we want Ben back if that isn't what eventually happens. But saying we just need to figure out the contract is like, well, yeah, no, duh. That's that's yeah. what it's been all along is figuring out the money. Well, let's look at that. And, that, that, and, and as you say, the, the, the statement from Art Rooney seemed very much – uh, a, a significant in the sense of stepping in and, 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 and I guess calming the nerves of Steeler Nation. And, but in contrast, you say when Kevin Colbert said that, I mean, you know, you cover the team, that you were surprised to hear that kind of language. So when you factor in the maths, and that's always a part of this, right? And, and very much so in the Roethlisberger situation, do you think there might be contrasting opinions internally about whether they keep him or not? I think so. I think that it's very much a brain versus the heart situation here where, you know, the heart says, well, we, we want to be loyal to our guy. He's won two Super Bowls here. And we, and, and the heart thinks that he should be able to stick around and end his career on his terms and that he can still win. And, and the brain obviously factors in that too, saying, yeah, we think he can still win. But at the same time, the brain looks at the future of the organization and the amount of money that they've already sunk into Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, it's a $22 million cap hit, even if he retires. Like, the dead cap, I think, is $22.5 million. Mm. So, regardless, that money is sunk into him, and the brain's looking at that and saying, gosh, should we really spend any more money on a 39-year-old quarterback? Should we not just save all that we can and invest that in the future of this franchise? On the defensive side, TJ Watt needs an extension. Minka Fitzpatrick has his option. Like, there are so many other ways that could spend the money to ensure the long-term health of the organization. But I think those are very much two competing ideals. And maybe Colbert is the brain here looking at the the dollar figures and Art Rooney II is kind of the heart saying, but we really, we want him back. This organization needs Ben Roethlisberger. Mm. Well, let's look at the transition that's likely to happen irrespective of when whether Ben stays or not. Obviously that you know has a significant impact in terms of of the money, but there are 19 pending free agents, right? So Juju is one of them. Villanueva is another as well. So if we're looking at the the line and with Pouncey going there, that could be significant. So let's work on that. With Juju, first of all, are they going to consider tagging him, do you think? Is that is that an option? I don't think so. I don't think that they have the money to tag him. I mean, it's, it's interesting because Juju keeps saying, I want to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. I want to retire here. But I think that that would require the Pittsburgh to put up the money to keep him here. He's, he's not in the same situation as Ben where Ben says, well, I'll play for free to come back here. I, I, I don't care about my pay. Juju is still early enough in his career. And yes, he gets a lot of money from endorsements, but he still cares about the paycheck. And rightfully so he's in the prime of his career. He shouldn't have to take a deep discount to stay in Pittsburgh. Um, And I think that he's going to look at some bigger market teams, whether that's on the West coast close to his family or, or New York, like, like the jets being just in a big city where there's more opportunities for endorsements and things like that. Um, And they're getting to Sean Watson, right? So. (laughs) Right. Well, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I I just think that Juju, you know, I, I think that the organization, if they had the money, if, if they could find a way to get the money, would want to bring him back because he was so good on third downs. He kind of, I like the way that he transformed as a player, kind of his arc where he was 
the hot new thing when he first got here, the number two to Antonio Brown, kind of like the flashier guy off the field, on the field like that. He was just flashy. And then he became last year in 19, he really kind of faded in a lot of ways because he didn't have Ben. He was hurt. It just wasn't a good year this year in bouncing back. He just, he really embraced the gritty side of himself with the third down pickups, the yards after catch, he became a reliable target for Roethlisberger. And I think because of those things, because of those on field things, the Steelers absolutely want him back. And Ben Roethlisberger wants, wants him back. He's been advocating for that. But when you look at the bottom line and you look at the cap space, it's just not there for what he will get on an open market. And I don't think that he wants to look at this and say, yeah, you know what? I'll take a discount to play with Ben for one more year. And then who knows? You know, Mm. I think that he has to look out for himself. And that's going to mean going to a different market, even though I think that he would like to stay in Pittsburgh if the money's right. And also because the organization, while the fans have given him a lot of flack for the TikTok dances, the everything off the field, the Browns is the Browns, all of that stuff. He's gotten a lot of flack, but the organization has still embraced him. And he has said that he wants to stay here because they know him and they aren't making him change. Another organization might ask him to do that. And he, I think he's not looking forward to that idea of maybe having to to change who he is or change his image for an organization. Okay, so if Juju's likely to go, by the sound of it, he is. Who else do you think significant pieces on, on either side of the ball are likely to be playing elsewhere next season? I mean, really, almost any significant name brand player that this that's a free agent who was on the Steelers last year will not be back next year because they don't have the money. Bud Dupree, you know, I don't think that the money is there for him. James Conner, not only is it, that's, that's not so much a money situation. That's a production. Right. And he just wasn't good after 2018 and the run game needs a refresh. Alejandro Villanueva. I think that he has lost a step or two. And they're not going to pay for him. I think they need a new left tackle, whether that's somebody they draft or somebody they bring in free agency, likely draft, because I don't think they have the money to pay a left tackle in free agency. Um, I think that it's possible that they could re-sign either Mike Hilton or Cam Sutton on on the defensive backs. And Tyson Alualu, I think that he's a guy that will end up coming back and re-signing the Steelers. But when you look at the def- at the defensive backs, they have Joe Hayden and Steve Nelson under contract for a pretty significant amount of money, both of them. Maybe they let one of those guys walk, like a Steve Nelson, and instead sign either Cam Sutton or Mike Hilton. Probably Cam Sutton is the better fit there. Mike Hilton is good, but he's a nickel, and I don't think you want to pay a nickel as much money um, as he may command. I think that Cam Sutton is a younger, better defensive back that they want him for the future. Um but that's kind of it. You know, it's kind of crazy to say, looking at the number that they have, they're just not going to be able to retain a lot of them. And Kevin Colbert said, we always knew that this was going to be a challenging free agent class, but they didn't anticipate COVID. Nobody anticipated COVID. Right. And just the hit that that took to the salary cap, it didn't kind of grow with the team. And now they're in just cap hell, pretty mm. much. This is their worst case scenario. Okay, so it, it does sound like there's going to be, you know, pretty significant change and you mentioned James Conner and I wanted to ask about that because clearly that was the weak link offensively last season was the ground game and you've kind of indicated maybe a a clue to what your answer might be was it entirely down to the lack of uh, productivity and ability from from Conner from Benny Snell was it the play calling was it the line and problems there was a combination of all three of those things 
it was really, it's really a combination. I mean, when we talked with Kevin Colbert, he said, you know, we, we were ranked like dead last or 30th. It was in the bottom, the very, very bottom of the league. Like for that to happen, it wasn't just a failure of the line. It wasn't just a failure of the running backs. It's a failure of everyone across the board. And I think a lot of it was just this lack of physicality that we saw up front. The line just wasn't moving anyone and they weren't creating holes. And when they did create holes, the backs weren't seeing them or they weren't hitting them. It was just, and and the play calling too, was just uninspired play calling. I mean, you wanted to just pull your hair out when you saw the same play run like three times in a row and still pick up one or two yards, you know, it just, it was maddening. And I think that they just need to hit a reset button. And that's one of the reasons that I think the line needs to get younger because they just weren't moving people around. Mm. David DeCastro, as good as he's been for as long as he's been so good, you know, he just, he didn't look like the same David DeCastro last mm. year. I think that, you know, he could, he could still come back. Um, he is under contract that he could be a cap casualty, but I think that they end up sticking with him. Um, but they just need to get a line that's more physical and running backs that aren't hurt and that can play a <laughs> right. full 16, 17 game season. Um, Benny Snell needs to learn how to hold on to the football. That was his problem. He would have great games and then ball security was just not there. I'd like to mm. see more of them use Anthony McFarland in the way he should be used and stop running him straight up the middle. He is not that kind of back. He needs to get out in space and they just weren't giving him that space. Mm. And I also think that they'll take a running back in the draft, whether that's, you know, I, I don't think they're going to get Najee Harris or a Travis Etienne, but maybe Javante Williams or Mark, Michael Carter from UNC, one of those two guys would be good additions, but they have got to get some fresh blood in that room to, to shake things up. Well, they, they got the 24th pick in, in the draft in the first round, obviously. So if, Will they use it on a running back? I mean, they seem to have a lot of, they're going to have a lot of gaps to fill, but that seems to be a significant, but it's a, it's a gamble, isn't it? Spending a first round pick on a running back these days when you can usually get a lot of value later on in the draft. But then the flip side of that, it's a gamble if they don't sort this out because it was such an Achilles heel for them last year. Yeah. I mean, I, it's kind of crazy that a team that was 11 and 0 to start the season has so many holes to fill. You know, right. you, you wouldn't expect that. But I don't think they go with the running back in the first round because I think this is a pretty deep class and you can still get a good value back in the second or third round. I think they have to go with offensive line in the first round, whether that's a center. I think Mel Kuyper Jr. today released his um, latest mock draft and it had the center from Alabama, Landon Dickerson, I think is his name, going to the Steelers. I could see that. I could see an offensive tackle, Tevin Jones from Oklahoma State, going in the first round. But I, I think that they have to address the big guys off the top. And Kevin Colbert said he really likes this this class of tackles, mm. which is good because that's what the Steelers need. So I think that they address that right off the top and then maybe go running back. And then I also have them maybe taking a quarterback in the third or fourth round. Um, a guy like Jamie Newman from Georgia, although he last played at Wake Forest, because Ben's time is coming to an end, whether it's you know, in a month or in a year, his time in Pittsburgh is just about here. And Mm. they really need to figure out the succession plan beyond we hope Mason Rudolph is better than he was in 2019. So doing doing that. What's the, yeah. What's the Mason root? What's the book on Rudolph then? Because he, when he first came in, obviously it was a, a difficult situation to be in and it was, was spelling with Duck Hodges that season. And they had the, the situation with Miles Garrett as well, which can't have been easy for a young quarterback to, to deal with that, you know, in his first year. And then the, everyone seemed very down on him. He came in uh, as a cameo, w- was competent. 
is is it, is it a jury's out situation that he could still be the future or is he now being viewed as a solid backup but he's not our guy you know i think the public perception is a little bit different from the perception inside the building because the public perception is oh we've seen mason rudolph this is just not going to work he's he's a, a a career backup i think inside the building they're still holding out some hope that maybe he could develop into a starter um, into a competent starter capable of taking over for Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and that's because they had Matt Canada as the dedicated quarterbacks coach last season. He hadn't had that beforehand. He had Randy Fickner, who was also doubling as the offensive coordinator. Ben Roethlisberger's out in 19, so he doesn't get to learn behind him. And then I think when he came in in week 17 this last year, he looked pretty good. He looked much better than he did a year before. And his decision-making looked better. The throws looked better. I think that he's a guy that will really benefit from a full training camp, OTAs, minicamp, and most importantly, preseason games, because he just hasn't gotten the game action for the Steelers to be able to completely evaluate him. And I think because they haven't been able to fully evaluate him, they're not going to extend him before the season. And he'll go into the season and then he'll hit free agency next year. So they really need to be able to evaluate him in some preseason games. Same thing with Dwayne Haskins, who they signed to kind of check out and see if this is a guy that could maybe be the future. This organization needs the preseason games to be able to evaluate their quarterbacks in game situations and not just, you know, well, they look really good on the practice field and we've seen them in scrimmages, but they need to get some more tape on these guys to feel confident about the future of their quarterback situation if it's coming from within their own organization. Yeah, really interesting. And uh, and Haskins, uh, incidentally, I love that. It's such a, a high upside there. So to, to wrap things up, Brooke, I want to ask you, you made a really interesting point actually about Rudolph saying the distinction of difference between perception inside the organization and, and the fan base or outside more than the fan base media and elsewhere. And I want to apply that to the Steelers generally, right? Because it, to me, it was a really fascinating season. Even at 11 and 0, a lot of people weren't buying them. A lot of people were writing them off and pointing out, saying the emperor's new clothes and putting out all these weak links and of course things derailed. And it's never good to, to end on a loan, particularly in the way that the, the, the Steelers went out of the playoffs. But both in terms of the media that, that are following them, seeing the organization every day, the, the wider Steeler Nation fan base, and internally as well, is this a team and is there a perception that this is a team that will contend again, could come back stronger than last year? Or is there a complete lack of conviction and, and uh, confidence that this team is legitimate? I think that... It- Again, it's it's like you mentioned, the, the two different perceptions. When we talk with Art Rooney II, he says, we're still in a win championships now mode. And that's great. And I guess that that is what you would want to say to your fan base that don't worry, we're not tearing it all down. We still want to win because this is an organization with seven Super Bowl or with six Super Bowls or chasing the seventh. Mm. They don't accept losing easily. And they really hate this this stretch of first round playoff losses. But then when I think that you look at it from, you know, a, a standpoint of just evaluating it straight up as fact, they are going to go into something of a rebuild, whether that's a soft rebuild or a full teardown. This team is missing pieces that it had last year that still felt like as we got later in the season, it was like a Jenga tower and you kept taking pieces out and it was getting shakier <laughs> and shakier. And then the COVID rescheduling happened with the Baltimore game and it all just came tumbling down. (laughs) 
I think that this is an organization now that they are going to be missing guys like Bud Dupree. Um, they're not going to have Juju. They're going to have an older version of Ben and an even older version of Ben. I just don't think that this is a team that is going to come back and contend for a Super Bowl. I don't think it's a team that's going to come back and go 11 and 0. Again, I think that that was very much a lightning in a bottle situation that, that they got lucky, they got hot and they were able to pull out wins when other teams weren't. And it was just, it happened to fall in their favor. But I think that we are going to see a change. We're really in the middle of a changing of the old guard with the Steelers organization right now. And this isn't a team or an organization that will let itself fall to finishing in last place of the AFC North, but they're going to be a lot of growing pains as things start to transition over. So I don't think that they are in contention for a Super Bowl in 2021. I think that their ceiling is making the playoffs and that's going to be a tough thing for Steelers fans to stomach for the organization to stomach. But I think if they can get through this season, the salary cap goes up, they get a higher draft pick. I think that 2022, they'll start to rebuild and start to kind of rise from, from the rebuild of whatever kind is this year. Again, that's not what they want. Ben Roethlisberger is coming back. They expect him to be able to win a third Super Bowl for him, a seventh for the organization. But I, that to me doesn't feel realistic at this point. Coming full circle, will this be Roethlisberger's last season, whatever happens? I think so. It has to be. I mean, he, he has flirted with retirement for so many years. This year, people were trying to push it on him. And he you know, didn't want to go out the way that he did. Um, but I, I just don't think he can play past this year. And especially if he takes a, I, however they restructure his contract, whether they ask him to take a pay cut and reduce his base salary and play for a cap of around $23 million and, and play out the end of this contract, I don't think he gets a second contract that is playable because the other option is a restructure and extension with voidable years that would void after the 2021 season. So regardless, I, I think this is his last year, but I don't expect it to be a swan song. Exactly. I think that, that he is going to be on a tighter leash that they still want to win. Um, and they want to make sure that they're getting the best for the organization and for Ben and that's letting him come back and how far can you take us? But keeping an eye on what other options they may have. Brooke, really, really good to catch up with a fascinating insight. I think we're much more up to speed now with where Steeler Nation is at. Always good to catch up with you and check in with us soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Lovely stuff from Brooke. We will catch up with her very soon. Really, really interesting to see how that Steelers organization is dealing with a huge amount of pressure, huge amount of cap pressure. But Big Ben will have one last hurrah, it seems. And that wasn't clear cut uh, a few, just a few days ago. So good to see that. Who's going to be quarterback for the Texans next season? That's the big question that everybody's asking. We are going to get into that and all things Texans with our next guest, the excellent Sarah Barshop. Sarah, great to see you. Thanks for taking time uh, to drop by and join us. Um, what should we talk about? I mean, what, what's going on yeah. in Texans land? No, no, nothing going, along, going on with the Texans at all. I don't know if you've heard it's been a really quiet off season. Really quiet. I mean, I was when Ollie said we were going to talk to you, I was thinking, what, what, okay, so let, <laughs> look, uh, we're going to spend, uh, appreciate, I'm sure you'll appreciate 98% of this chat on, on Deshaun Watson. <laughs> so first things first, he wants out that the Texans say they won't budge. So the standoff's in motion. 
everyone has a price, as the million dollar man <laughs> would say. Uh, is there a price that the Texans w- will choose to deal at? Or do you get a sense, a, a sensible offer, right? Because, of course, you could say, yeah, if they're offered 10 first rounders, but an offer that they're likely to be given that they might choose to deal at. I think they are telling the truth when they say they don't want to trade him. And they understand that the problems that might come with that, right? That he might sit out, that this could be a really hard first year for a new head coach and a new GM. So I don't think they want to trade him, but, you know, and it doesn't have to be a, t- for, you know, 10 first round pick offer. I think if they get a reasonable offer that it's something they'll at least consider, because I think one of the reasons they don't want to trade him is because they know there's no proper value you can get in return for a quarterback like that, right? Like mm-hmm. he's a top 10 or top five, probably quarterback. Right. He had an MVP like season had his team been good last year. He's 25 years old he, and he's under contract. So you look mm-hmm. at all of that and you say, what could we even get in return? Like you joke about the 10 first round picks, but is that really that far off in terms of what his actual value would be? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of the conversation is, well, even if we wanted to trade him, what could we possibly trade him for? Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think if a reasonable offer does come in and it makes sense for both sides, sure, it's a conversation because it gets rid of a headache for them. But I think the key is that it's got to be reasonable for them and they've got to feel like they won at least a little bit. Um, because right now their quarterback's just demanding out and they don't mm. want to, they don't want that. But I think if it made sense for both sides, it would certainly be a conversation they would have. How's that playing that Watson's stance with the, with the, the Texans fan base? Cause I'm mindful of. Draymond Green's comments about a week ago when he was defending James Harden and saying it's really unfair there are double standards here that when a team wants to get rid of us we're gone when a player says he wants out of something he is public enemy number one and is vilified because obviously not something the Texas fans are are happy about but do they have any sympathy for Watson do they understand his position at all or is it a kind of uniform uh, criticism and and he is being knocked left right and center no I actually think it's the opposite which was surprising to me it seems like Texans fans are anti-team right now, and Mm. they view it as, well, the team messed up. Of course, we want the best for Deshaun. And the sense I get from talking to people and what I've read on Twitter is that fans believe, well, you know, we've seen him grow in his time in Houston, and we think he deserves the chance to win. We obviously hope it's here, but if it's not, then, you know, we're happy for you. And I was surprised by that because I really thought it would be more of the mindset around James Harden. Mm. And I don't really know what the difference is other than I think it's all the reporting about how, you know, that this came up because reportedly Cal McNair said, you'll be part of the GM hiring process. And then he, you know, Deshaun found out who they had hired on Twitter, that kind of thing. So I think that information has led fans to say, well, actually, I'm on Deshaun's side, not the team, which I think is very rare. Mm, it is. It's really surprising to hear that. Uh, what happens if they, the Texans don't get a, an offer that they're happy with? So they stick to plan A and so does Watson. I mean, is there a, is there a significant chance that if, uh, if that happens, he, he will just sit out and won't play next season. That's kind of what I see happening right now. I mean, with the information I have, I don't think he's going to say, okay, never mind. I want to play for you guys. I don't think they're going to get the proper offer that makes them say, okay, sure. We'll trade you. And I think this is going to be a long off season and maybe season for the Texans. I mean, this is a team that won four games with Deshaun Watson having the best season of his career. Right. What does this team look like without him, without JJ Watt? You know, like, are we talking about Owen 16? Mm. I don't know, but 
if Deshaun Watson's not playing, maybe. And so I absolutely could see a scenario where Deshaun Watson sits out. And I think the most dangerous situation for the Texans is if then they say, okay, well, we'll trade you midseason. Cause I think that's where you get the least value. Right. Um, you know, if you're going to make this trade, you should do it before the draft because those picks are locked in. Mm. You make the trade with the Jets, you know, you're getting the number two pick. You make a trade with the team who has Deshaun Watson, makes the playoffs, wins the Super Bowl. What do those first round picks even look like? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Steelers. So I, Steelers, Dolphins, Minker, I think kind of springs to mind there, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. It is, it is interesting. So the longer it goes on, then the, I guess the stronger Watson's position is essentially. Well, I think a, a little bit, except that technically he's under contract. So if the Texans don't want to trade him, he either has to play for them or he doesn't play. Yeah. He's 25 years old, right? Like, you know, I said early on, he's not retiring. I still don't think he's retiring, but if he doesn't want to play for them and he's serious about that, and they don't want to trade him and they say, you know, it's not even worth what we get in return. We don't, as a matter of principle, we don't want to trade you. Mm. You know, what, what leverage does he have there? He's under contract through 2025. Right. What, is there any way that anything that you understand, and you talked about obviously a change in front office, a change in, in head coach, it's all JJ Watt leaving. We'll talk about that in a moment. Is there anything they can do to convince him to stay, do you think? Or is the, is the situation irretrievable? I think it can be the relationship can be salvaged, but I think it is going to take effort on both sides because Deshaun Watson wants to have to, if there is an apology from the Texans, Deshaun has to want to hear it. I mean, as of now, he's not returning their calls. How do you apologize to a guy who doesn't want to talk to you? Right. So I think it's, it could get to a point where he realizes, well, I really don't have that much leverage. They're serious about not trading for me. These offers aren't coming in like we thought they would. I mean, people want to trade for Deshaun Watson, but I think they also understand if the Texans aren't taking offers, what like what are they can't do anything about that they can't make them trade him so mm. i think it could get to a point where he says okay i see that my assistant my options might be to sit out or to listen to you at least have a conversation and maybe they have that conversation and the texans apologize and they say what can we do to make this better and maybe they can salvage that but i mm. think the first step is him even sitting down with them and i don't know if it, that will even happen Interesting in terms of possible destinations, and I take your point that at the moment it's difficult to even work that out if the, if the Texans just uh, a poker facing everything. But do you think there would be a likelihood that if they can deal with a team like the Jets, for example, there's a lot of buzz that the, the Jets want him. I don't know how much validity there is in those rumors or not. You might know more on that. But if they can do a deal where they get a player like Sam Darnold, who is road tested to a degree in the NFL. So managing this transition, they are not banking on a, a rookie uh, or um, a lesser caliber uh, vet in, in the NFL. Would they, would they rather do a deal like that? Do you think where it's part draft picks and player and, and quarterback specifically, or is there not, do you not get a sense that either would be a preferable choice and they just take the best deal on the table? I think players are preferable because like we talked about with the draft picks, what if that's the last pick in the first round? What does that do for you? You know? Mm. So if you can get, and I I don't know if it has to be a quarterback specifically because I don't know that there's an option that says, okay, this is our long-term future, but you can get players long-term solutions at other positions. So if you're talking about say the jets and they have, I don't know, two players on rookie deals, they're still cheap. They're under team control and they're difference making players, which the Texans really don't have that many of right now. Mm. If you can get guys like that and then you can get first round picks, I think that's what makes sense. And I think that's kind of what they're looking at. 
Um, now, the problem is, of course, is when these teams are want to trade for Deshaun, well, they don't want to trade their young defensive stars, you know? Like you talk about the Washington football team. Could they be interested? Sure. But would the Texans want Chase Young? Probably. Why mm. wouldn't you? I mean, you're trading Deshaun Watson. Wouldn't you want a guy that good? And then the Washington football team says, well, wait, we have... Our defense has to, you know, if we're going to win a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson, we need to keep this defense. That's why we want to trade for him. We think he's the missing piece. Right. So I think that's kind of also the problem with the trade is that what a team who's going to just trade away all their future assets. We've seen how few draft picks the Texans have right now because they traded for Laramie Tunsil. Right. If a team is going to go in even more for Deshaun Watson, you better be really close to winning and you better have some players that you feel like, they're very good, but we can win without them because if not, why would the Texans even talk to them? Yeah, yeah, makes a, makes a lot of sense. Let's talk JJ Watt. Was was JJ Watt leaving the right move for the organization given all all the flux and change that we, we've been talking about? Because I, I get the mathematics. I get that he's missed half uh, the possible starts he could have had in the last five years or, or whatever the number is precisely. So I understand all that. But given everything we talked about and the fact he's such a fundamental, was a fundamental part of the franchise, was it the right move to, to let him go? I'm sure they would have loved to have him, um, but I think they had to take into consideration that he wanted to leave and they respect him so much. And when he's done for this franchise, the city, I think, I mean, he wants to win. Look, he's done. He's won three defensive player of the year awards. He's set all these records. He's had so much individual success, but he's never won. He's been very clear that that's his top goal. I mean, every NFL player wants to win the Super Bowl, obviously, but he's told us, you know, like I've won those awards, but now I want to win a Super Bowl. And he said at the beginning of the season, like, I'm not interested in playing for a rebuilding team. I've got, like, it's no secret I don't have 10 years left. I think I have like three or four great years left and I want to win. And I asked him at the end of the season, do you think this 2021 Texans team is a rebuild? And he said, you know, I don't know. There's still some questions to be answered. I think a a quick look around the offseason, the first month and a half, made it pretty clear that, yeah, this is not a team that's going to win a Super Bowl in 2021, even if Deshaun Watson does play for them. Mm. And so I think they wanted to respect his desire to get out. Part of it, I think, was the money, too. They didn't want to pay him $17.5 million. Like, the salary cap is going down this year. It helps them to save that money. Of course, they want. if he wanted to say, I'm sure – they would have been happy to have him. But I do think financially it made sense for both sides. He was going to, I don't think he would have signed a new contract. So one more year that maybe they have no, their quarterback sitting out. Does it really make sense to keep him? Probably not. Right. So I right. think they saw this as look, we can go do the right thing and let him try and win somewhere else. And then it probably makes sense for us to like, obviously they'd love the leadership, but I think they realize that the product on the field is not going to be, I don't know, worth paying J.J. Watt $7.5 million and unhappy J.J. Watt, right? Because he wants to win. Um, and I think they kind of saw that this year. Landing spots for him, then, if he's looking for a contending team, there was a lot of buzz about Cleveland. Uh, Buffalo seemed to be coming up on the inside rail as well. Anything you've heard in terms of where where J.J. Watt is, is most likely to go? Um, I've heard, I think the contending thing is just obviously what he's focused on. I could see Buffalo. Um, to me, two things that are two places that are interesting, um, Baltimore and Tennessee, because both of his former coaches. So Mike Vrabel is the head coach in Tennessee. Yeah. And then Anthony Weaver just got hired. He was the Texans um, defensive coordinator last year and he just got hired in Baltimore. And he was J.J. Watt's line coach for you. I mean, since 2014. And so 
just knowing how JJ Watt operates, it seems like he really values relationships. And so it wouldn't surprise me when he's picking a team, if there is a familiar face and someone he trusts and has worked with before, maybe that's the tipping point if he's choosing between multiple contending teams. Interesting. Okay. Uh, we'll watch that keenly. So JJ Watt, Gone, Deshaun Watson, probably. Who else in terms of big names? Well, Fuller, I guess, is a, is a name that would be on that list. I mean, how much change are we going to see? And you mentioned quite rightly there, it's not exactly a, t- a roster that's full of superstars or full of, uh, of incredibly strong players, but they're going to be even weaker by, by the look of it. Yeah, I mean, so Will Fuller is a guy that, I mean, Maybe you re- even with the suspension, maybe you resign him if things are great with Deshaun Watson because Deshaun has made it clear that he thinks they should. It was, I mean, he said even after he suspended, he said it's very important that they resign Will Fuller. Mm. Now, I don't think that resigning Will Fuller is enough to bridge this gap between the, t- the the sides. And if I'm Will Fuller, I'm probably like, I really don't want to get in the middle of this. But if <laughs> right. I sign with you, you know, I sign a long term deal, and then Deshaun's going to be traded. So mm. my guess is that he's gone unless. Deshaun goes to them and says, okay, I'm happy. I'll be happy if you resign him and I'll stay. Maybe that happens. I don't think so. Um, David Johnson, I mean, he's owed $9 million next year. Like maybe they restructure the contract and it make, you know, they can make it make sense if he wants to stay, but wouldn't surprise me if that's a guy who's cut. Um, I mean, Brandon Cooks, they really like and want to keep. He's owed $12 million next year and none of it's guaranteed for the last three years of his contract. So maybe they signed him to an extension to lower that cap hit mm-hmm. and that kind of helps them get under the salary cap. But that's a guy, if Deshaun Watson's gone, does he want to stay? I mean, mm-hmm. my guess is probably not. And so I think that's why this Deshaun Watson situation, the Texans really do need to make a decision, even if it's not, I mean, even if it's just, we're not trading him and we're going to let him sit, you know, if he wants to sit out, I guess we'll deal with that. Mm. They've kind of got to know where they stand before they go into free agency and go into the draft. Cause obviously that's got to, play a huge part into the holes they're trying to fill. Okay. So it's not a, an easy uh, situation to come into, but that's exactly what David Carley has, has done. And it was, an, well, from the outside looking in an interesting choice. I think a lot of people, because he wasn't a, a voguish name, you know, a coordinator that was getting talked up, you know, in terms of, you know, contenders and candidates for, for the head coaching roles and not a veteran, experienced head coach that's been out for a couple of years to roll back in to a head coaching gig if they've been sitting as a coordinator a Todd Bowles type for example so what about you Sarah were you surprised at the choice I was surprised about the name but not the type of hire because I had been hearing I mean Deshaun Watson said it publicly at the end of the season that the Texans wanted a new culture he wanted a culture shift and so it didn't surprise me that when after they hired Nick Casario and they're talking about how to fix the culture in this building, which is clearly problematic as Deshaun Watson wants to be traded, you know, there are a lot of things that they want to fix. And I, it didn't surprise me that that's kind of the, the, the person they were trying to hire. Now, I think a lot of times when you fire a head coach, you kind of go the opposite, right? Like the Texans had Gary Kubiak, they fired him hired Bill O'Brien personality wise, just very different, not good or bad, neither of them, but just very different. And I think it didn't surprise me that after you fire Bill O'Brien, you go back in the the direction of maybe a Gary Kubiak guy. And Mm. so, yeah, that's, I mean, I didn't, I would have not, if I was made a list before the start of this head coaching search, he would not have been on my list. Not at all. I mean, I wouldn't Right. No. In fact, I talked to our Ravens reporter and he was like, that was a surprise to all of us, you know, Mm. it just, 
wasn't what they thought. And so I, when that name started coming up, I was like, well, this is really interesting. But the more I looked into it, and especially after hearing him talk the first day, I said, okay, I can see why they hired him. Like They want to fix the culture. They believe he can hire people around him, have a staff around him. Look, they didn't hire someone they don't think like is going to be bad at coaching football. Right. The, the culture was not the priority. But I think when you're choosing between candidates and you think, okay, well, this person is capable of running a football team, what else are we looking for? It's the culture thing. And so that's, I think, ultimately why the Texans chose him. And I'll be really interested to see how this plays out, especially in the wake of all this Deshaun Watson news. What specifically about the culture? Is it is it because is, is he a Jim Caldwell type that's just quite quite cerebral, quite serene, and will just calm, you know, calm and, and bring everybody together? Is it is, is that as opposed to being a, a more demonstrative figure that we've seen of other teams has apparently gone in that direction uh, with their head coaching changes? So, what is it specifically about the, the his his approach that you think will change the culture? I think it's. I mean, after ta- hearing him talk at a press conference, he seems very. Friendly, I've heard him described as a player's coach. Mm. Um, I mean, look, if I'm Deshaun Watson and you, you sit down in a room with him, with David Culley, it wouldn't surprise me if Deshaun was like, hey, I would like to play with this guy. You know, again, nothing against Bill O'Brien, but they seem like very different people. I mean, mm. Bill O'Brien was, I mean, he talked about his temper and his anger and the yelling and, you know, practice and all that stuff. I think it's going to be very different under David Culley. Like, and, and maybe... That's maybe players won't like that. I don't know. But I think when you have a guy like Bill O'Brien and you move on from him, you think, oh, maybe it'll be a little bit nice, you know, a little nicer. Someone's not yelling at me all the time. Right. So that, I'm, I'm interested. I really don't know a lot about him because of this COVID offseason. We haven't had a chance to meet him. We did one press conference with him over Zoom. Um, normally right now we'd be in Indianapolis at the Combine and I'd probably be talking to him right about now. Um, so that's obviously been a bummer is um, I don't know the first time we'll get to meet the new head coach and GM, but I think that it'll be interesting. And if you, if you're going to start something new, I think that's the kind of person you want. Someone yeah. you feel like can bond with the players and be a player's coach. Sometimes that's what players want. And so that's the direction they went in. And I guess time will tell if he's a good football coach too, you know? Yeah, it will be really interesting. I like the idea of the of the argument of yeah, kind of under the radar hire, which he definitely was, right? Um, maybe it's exactly what what the Texas need right now. So let's wrap things up and 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 end on whether you think Deshaun Watson will be a Houston Texan next season and suiting up and playing, or is he going to be playing somewhere else? I think neither of those options. I think he's going to be a Houston Texan, but I don't think he'll be playing. Right. I don't. I mean, I just, I believe, and, and look, the Texans tomorrow could get a great offer and say, hey, we'll just do that. Of course, that could happen. But I everything I've been told is they are serious about not wanting to trade him. And everything I've heard from his side is that he does not want to play for them again. And I think both sides feel valid in their decision-making process. I mean, they believe they're right Mm -hmm. and they both can be right, right? Both things can be true, but I just, I don't know. I don't know that he'll sit out the whole season, but I think week one, there's a very good chance that Deshaun Watson is on the did not report list for the Texans. And it's going to be a long season and off season if that's the case. Wow. Oh, it is. I mean, we're already in February, right? This one, <laughs> this one is going to run and run. Really, really fascinating. Sarah, great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for your time. Look after yourself. And come and check in soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. This was fun.
Lovely stuff from Sarah. Appreciate Brooke's time as well. We are rolling all the way through the offseason. Lots more team deep dives. We'll be building up to the draft as well. All your favorites coming your way very soon. Some very special guests as well. So keep it here. Keep it locked in. Appreciate your time. We're back next week with more. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Podcast Network.